values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I've been updating you most of the morning. I grew up in Fort Myers, Florida. My brother's a captain with the Lee County Sheriff's Office. He is out there deployed now, waiting for the storm to pass over Fort Myers, and then he will be out doing search and rescue with fire and other departments out there. Um, Also, um, I've been getting updates from my sister-in-law, 100-mile-an-hour winds plus now reported in Fort Myers, and the last update is that the eye of the storm is passing over Captiva Island, which means nothing to most of you, but to people that have lived in Fort Myers, the devastation is going to be amazing. Something I have in common with uh, Christina Carilla, who works at Fox 10 with John Hook, um, is that she lived and worked in Fort Myers. She joins us now. Christina, it's great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. I appreciate it. Um, you and I are watching uh, differently than a lot of people are, having looking at so many familiar places. What are your thoughts when you're looking at some of these places you've been so many times and the devastation that's happening right now? Oh, man, it's tough. And, you know, I've been in contact with some of my colleagues down there in Fort Myers. I spent three years there, and I covered Hurricane Irma back in 2017 from the beach, Fort Myers Beach. And so... I remember what some of this is like, but this is just worse. Um, Hurricane Ian is has such force with it, and these wind speeds that we're seeing and the storm surge we're already starting to see. I've been following this coverage so closely and talking with some of my former colleagues. It's it's scary because you know what comes next, right? It's the cleanup, the devastation, seeing the aftermath. I mean. The people that chose to stay um, through the storm, you know, you never want that, but that always happens. People stay there and you just you hope for the best at this point. Yeah. And uh, knowing the, the I, I don't know how familiar you are, or how many times you've been out to Sanibel or Captiva Islands, those barrier islands off oh, the yeah. coast of Fort Myers. They are now saying I'm getting reports from people on the ground there that are saying it's passing directly over Captiva. There may not be much left of those islands if that's true. Yeah, that those spots, I mean, they're so beautiful. It's so hard to imagine, but they're so vulnerable, right? They're right there on the coast and unfortunately it's it's the first to go. If it's going right over that area, there's just not much hope for for the storm surge. I mean, it's just going to be underwater. For, for uh, this is more a curiosity thing. You talking with some of your former colleagues in Fort Myers, what are they saying about the coverage of it? I'm hearing from the cops and what they're kind of getting ready to do, but what is the news saying about what's happened so far and any damage reports? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I know that as of this morning, they pulled in their crews from the beach, which that did not happen when I was down there covering a hurricane. But this is so intense. They decided, you know, we got to keep everyone safe. They pulled them back in. So they're relying pretty heavily on people sending in videos from the safety of their home. You know, you don't want people going out and, and trying to shoot video or take photos of what's happening. But they're relying pretty heavily on cameras that they have on buildings and things like that. And and it looks to be pretty intense. I saw just a few minutes ago um, in Naples, um, Vanderbilt Beach, which I'm sure you know. Oh, absolutely. Cars in that area. I mean, a Range Rover completely underwater. It's just, it's so tough. I mean, when you know that storm surge is coming, you think, well, I have to move my car up to higher ground. But where do you go? Do you find a parking garage? How... How well you prepare will really tell, you know, the safety of your things when you come back and see what the damage is. So it's just so unfortunate to see some of the damage already coming in, and it's just going to get worse from here. Yeah, they just uh, um, just watching one of the monitors in the studio. They said they've now said the eye wall is over Sanibel and Captiva Islands and that they are expecting in Port Charlotte possibly 18 feet of the storm Mm. surge. I've never and for me personally, I've never seen anything 
like that. You know, like it's hard to imagine what that's like. I don't. I don't remember ever seeing an estimate that high for storm surge. But they tell you, you know, when they're warning about these storms, you can hide from the debris, the wind, you know, you can hide from those things. The storm surge is the killer, right? You can't run from the water. So that's going to be, man, it's tough. I'm thinking about everyone down there. I know you are too. Yeah, my brother is a captain with the sheriff's office. My sister-in-law, his wife, is a sheriff's deputy. So she's in town. They've got two of their kids in town. My mother is there at their house with them. My brother's deployed. But my sister-in-law has been sending me videos from their back patio. And it's just so weird to hear somebody, how some people think they've got a ladder that's ready to go if they have to get on the roof of the home if it flooding Mm -hmm. gets that bad. I mean, to think about that in your family and friends, it's just, it's terrifying. I know. And at this point, it's like there's no leaving at this point. Now you just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. It's a waiting game. Yeah. And uh, so uh, how do you cover that? How do you cover something like that? I mean, you, you don't want to be you don't want to sensationalize it in a storm like this. You don't have to. But is it difficult for you to put into words, especially being so close to that area? Is it tough for you to cover? I would say, yeah, it was tough for, from my personal experience when I was down there for Irma, you know. I was thinking about my personal property as well, Mm because you're concerned about your family members, your pets, your personal property, your car. I mean, at some point, you just kind of have to say, well, this is it. It is what it is. And you have to move on. We'll see what happens and hope for the best. But there's not much you can do. And I was talking to my former colleague, you know, when I was down there, the station allowed family members to stay with the employees at the station with their pets. They allowed everyone to come in. Now things are a little bit different, you know, post COVID and, and, and what we've learned from that time, they're, they're not allowing family to come into the station anymore, mostly for safety reasons. So my former colleagues, you know, they're at work, they're doing 12 hour shifts and having to think about their family and their home, you know, hoping for the best for them and, and worrying while working at the same time. It's difficult. Yeah, it is. Um, I appreciate you coming on on short notice. It's good to talk with you, and I hope we can catch up under better better circumstances. But I wanted to get a perspective from someone that's covered storms like this, especially having lived there, because I am just I'm never at a loss for words. And I'm watching what's happening and just dumbfounded by what I'm seeing. But I appreciate your and I appreciate your perspective and coming on. And I hope you'll come on again someday. Of course. Thanks, Mike, so much. And I'm, I'm thinking of your family as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. That is uh, Christina Carrillo from Fox 10 News, who spent three years in Fort Myers, my hometown, with a bit of an update as she was talking to news people in Fort Myers on the ground as much as she could. Uh, we'll be thinking about this as there. Just to give you a quick update, um, the landfall in Florida, they say it's imminent. Right now, they are looking at winds of, of uh, as you go north, high, but around the Fort Myers area. They're saying that the center of this storm, at the very center of this storm, the winds are upwards of 150 miles an hour. Um, I'm getting reports from family members. The eye of the storm, if you want to look on a map, uh, the eye of the storm, they're saying, is passing over or has passed over Sanibel and Captiva Islands, which are just off the coast of Fort Myers. When you're standing on the beach on Sanibel, you can see the buildings in Fort Myers Beach across the Gulf of Mexico. So it's not that far off the coast. And if they are passing over those islands, the devastation, I can't even imagine what the devastation is going to be like. Marco Island to the south. Uh, this is going to be a very intense storm, and the damage is going to be something else. I was on the phone. Uh, 
with my sister-in-law. I keep calling them for as long as they have cell service. Right before we did this segment of the show, and while I was on the phone with her, they lost power at the house. No flooding yet. A lot of wind, a lot of rain, but no flooding. If you go to Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram, Mike Broom had all one word. I posted a video she sent me looking out of her back window, back patio doors, um, and it's pretty intense. So keep them in your prayers. In a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. It's something we call Did You Hear This? We're going to do it in just a second. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, time to catch you up on all the headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Senator Kirsten Cinema spoke at a bipartisan event with Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on Monday, and her comments angered some people. So not only am I committed to the 60-vote threshold, I have an incredibly unpopular view. I actually think we should restore the 60-vote threshold for the areas in which it has been eliminated already. Should the filibuster remain in place? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it, it is a way to uh, make sure that the minority party, whoever it is, has a say. The Democrats have used it extensively. So have the Republicans when each of them have been in the minority. And what it does is it prevents a couple of things. But I think key to that is these huge swings in legislation. So when you have just a, a majority vote in the House, which has always been that way, if you do that in the Senate, you have when the Democrats have a one seat majority or like they have here, 50 50 split with the vice president breaking the tie, you have more pieces of legislation that are way to the left. And then when the Republicans take over that body, they can switch it around and it swings way back to the right. You want to have some kind of compromise. And the only way to have that compromise is through the filibuster process. That's what it, why it is really critically important. You should do your homework on it. Just because you're not getting your way now doesn't mean you're not going to need this some other time. And that's one of the things I think Senator Sinema is saying to her party. I just don't know if they're listening. More than 800,000 Arizonans are eligible for student loan forgiveness, but a lawsuit may block relief. The Pacific Legal Foundation says President Biden's plan to forgive a half trillion dollars in student loan debt is flagrantly illegal because, quoting here, only Congress has the power to pass laws and spend money under the Constitution. Do you think this lawsuit could stop the plan? Yeah, I think it can. And I think that there's going to be every effort made to stop this from happening. Um, it's a bad idea. I, 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 But aside from it being just a bad idea, um, where do you stop with this? And that's where my problem lies. We have to stop looking to the government for these kinds of things. They've got to stop spending money. They have to reduce spending, reduce the size of government. And if they don't, we're going to be in big trouble. And this is a big increase. And it's not going to – this money doesn't go away. The debt doesn't go away. It just gets shifted onto the backs of other Americans. And that's where I think the problem with this more than anything else. You're listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to get you caught up. Yesterday, it was reported that the Nord Stream pipelines were leaking, but there may be more to it. The European Union suspects sabotage after two underwater natural gas pipelines were punctured by explosions. Does this worry you? Yeah, of course it does. You know, if, if you, if we already know that Europe, and it worries me for our allies in Europe, but for worldwide prices as well, or maybe even an ex escalation of conflict. The Russians have been accused of this sabotage. They said it's absurd, but if it's proven that that's happened and they're sabotaging fuel going into Europe, the problem is they're already going to have a really tough winter trying to heat their homes and the cost of energy in Europe right now. This could send that way over the top. It could make it very bad for a lot of people. The biggest concern I have is 
the escalation. Because if they now get more European countries involved in a war with Russia, does China step in and help? Are we forced into another war? And does this go from a conflict between Ukraine and Russia into a worldwide conflict which nobody wants? As Hurricane Ian is going to make landfall in southwest Florida, President Biden has a message for gas and oil companies. Gas companies try to use this storm to raise prices of the pump. I will ask officials to look into whether price gouging is going on. America's watching. The industry should do the right thing. Are you concerned about possible guys? No. I mean, this happens all the time. With We heard about $100 sheets of plywood after Hurricane Andrew. Things like this. This demonization of industry is just, it's pathetic. I'm really sorry. I'm, this is personal to me. This one's personal. Right now, I've got family members in harm's way. I've got a mom. I've got a sister-in-law. i got my niece, one of my nieces, and my nephew in the storm as we speak. My brother is a law enforcement officer that's been deployed. Lloyd since last night, ready to roll out as soon as the storm passes enough where they can safely hit the streets. They will be spending how much time, I don't know, doing search and rescue, trying to save lives and save property and stop looting. And here we've got this political grandstanding before anything's even happened. It is, it is in my mind, infuriating, it's pathetic, and it's insulting. All right, that's Did You Hear This for another day. We will do it again tomorrow at 1120, as we always do. Um, we're going to talk. What we'll do, we're going to do just after um, 1130 is I want to shift back to the border issue. Uh, it is still a major issue in this country, and it's becoming more of a national issue now that migrants have been taken from Texas and Arizona and some from Florida, uh, or at least it was done by the governor of Florida, and they are being sent to northeastern or midwestern cities that call themselves sanctuary. Sanctuary cities. How they are handling it is a lot like the Republican-led states have been handling it for a long time. How roundly criticized President Trump was for the way he handled it, which, by the way, mirrored the way President Obama handled it. So the politics of the border is starting to come to light. And when voters of both parties start seeing what's happening, a lot of them believe that they have been duped. And we're going to talk about that because this national conversation needs to happen. Can we find get something done at our southern border if the American people see this as not a political issue, but as a policy issue and as a human rights issue. So we're going to talk about that specifically next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, please do it right now. It's very simple to do from any device you have, and you'll never miss a minute of the show. It's the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you by King Lasik and K2 Vision RLE, the best vision for the valley. Schedule your virtual consult at kingk2vision.com. All right, uh, let's talk for a moment about what's happening in New York. This is, to me, is fascinating what's happening in New York. They are putting people in tents because they have so many migrants showing up. It is straining their system. And those of us in Arizona that are hearing this, we're not laughing. At least I'm not laughing. But what I am saying is welcome to our world. Um, Let's go back to 2009. 
I was invited to go on a humanitarian mission down to McAllen, Texas on the border where the first wave of unaccompanied minors were being brought across the border, uh, the Rio Grande, into McAllen, Texas. And I think that at the time it was a number like 70,000. And I watched them erect fences around a complex, a Catholic church and a facility around a Catholic church. They erected tents were put up. This was by the federal government. They put tents up with cots. Like, it looked like the movie MASH, except the tents weren't green. And these children were brought in, and they were um, medically screened to make sure they were healthy. They were given showers and clean clothes and toys to play with as much as they had. They were fed. And then they were housed in these tents until they could find a place for them. Those cages that you saw during the Trump administration were actually built during the Obama administration. So if you and I hear people say all the time, the president's doing the best he can. Well, if you believe that to be true, I can tell you the same would then be true for the Trump administration. No, he was evil. What he did was horrible. What he did was exactly what the Obama administration was doing and what uh, Mayor Adams Eric Adams from New York is doing is exactly what towns across the southern border have been doing, which is we are overwhelmed. We're doing the best we can. In Yuma, there were people lined up on the American side of the border fence for days waiting the federal government to come and process them. So when buses are chartered or planes are chartered and people are sent to cities that they volunteer to go to. When this happens and then you demonize the people that are doing the sending, why are you not demonizing the federal government that's facilitating what's happening right now at the southern border? Those people were preyed upon. They were used. What is the cartel doing and what is our federal government doing to stop it from happening? And let me mix a couple of things from today. I spent um, about an hour and a half yesterday with ASGIA, which is the Arizona Gang Investigators Association. It are the gang cops across the state of Arizona, tribal agencies along with cities and sheriff's departments and DPS across the state of Arizona. Mexican Mafia, a lot of gangs from Mexico. Now, I'm, I guess I got to keep giving this disclaimer. I am not saying that everybody that's crossing the border is a gang member or a rapist or a thief. Or, I'm not saying that. But we understand that the cartels, that our agencies across the state of Arizona have uh, cops assigned to stop these criminal syndicates, these gangs. They are being funded. They are being armed. Their drugs that they sell are being provided from the cartels in Mexico. Our poorest border is there and it's so open because the federal agents that should be looking for these criminals are fixed in place processing people through these disastrous policies that we have on asylum. And it's frustrating for me to talk about. Um, the mayor of, of New York, uh, he, I want you to hear him talk about temporary housing. This, this is infuriating people in New York. We want to make sure that we bring people into uh, a safe, clean environment as we process them uh, for a few days to figure out their needs and move them to the right location. 
So they're popping tents up. They're building these locations in in the Bronx and other places. Here is somebody that's the, uh, part of the Orchard Beach resident in the Bronx. What they're saying, what they're saying to their mayor. And if you want to put something in our community, you need permission from us. Thank you. So they're saying we don't want you building these tents in parking lots in our neighborhoods. Now, are they horrible people for saying that? Are these are these people um, heartless people because of migrants? No, they're frustrated. And the only thing I can say to you is welcome to our world. I have a heart for migrants. I I do. I absolutely understand people that want to come to this country and contribute and to be Americans or come here and work. I get all of it. What's happening and the disorderly way it's happening is dangerous. It's deadly. And it's also causing crime. And this administration has turned a blind eye to it since day one. I'd say before day one. The vice president of the United States has been absent on this issue. The president of the United States policies will not shift. But now it's not the politicians. It isn't Mayor Adams. It's not Lightfoot in Chicago, although they are very liberal mayors that should be talking to the White House. They're asking for federal assistance, and they're saying what we've been saying for years. This is your issue, not ours. you got to help us. You have to help us. But it's the citizens in New York City that are beginning to say, hey, I've been duped. Here's the headline. I was deceived. New York City residents blast Biden's border policies. So people are frustrated. Um, Let's uh, Joe, we got to get control of the border. One resident said I was deceived like a lot of other people were deceived by Joe Biden, said another resident. Uh, This tent city is going up in AOC's district and her own constituents aren't happy about it. Uh, This is a quote from uh, Fox News. Um, So uh, I'm trying to think of I'm trying to look for another citizen and not a uh, a, uh, an anchor's quote. But the fact of the matter is, this has been a failure by every administration. No administration has been able to get a handle on it. Now, the previous administration got somewhat of a handle on it, but they were uh, they were criticized for doing it. What many people said was the wrong way. But the problem still was not solved. Reagan couldn't solve it. Bush 41 couldn't solve it. Clinton couldn't solve it. Bush 43 couldn't solve it. Obama didn't solve it or couldn't solve it. Trump didn't. And this is the worst it's ever been. And that's where the problem lies. The policies of this administration have made it worse than it's ever been. So I'm going to give all the acknowledgments I can, all the caveats. When people fire back at me and say, no one's ever fixed it. You're 100% right. No one's ever fixed it. Now you acknowledge this is worse than it's ever ever been at the southern border and when people don't want to acknowledge it when the vice president of the united states goes to el paso for a photo op and people along the southern border and border states are furious the rest of the country doesn't understand because it's not in their face well now new york is seeing it in their face and new yorkers are saying we've been lied to by this administration if it's this bad in arizona and texas oh my gosh do something that's what this messaging was all about you may not like it I personally do. I think the message was necessary to be sent. And hopefully now people, I don't not Republicans, not Democrats, people begin to make demands that this get fixed. As much for the people that are being brought here, their safety and well-being, as it is for the Americans that are affected by it on the other side of the border.
It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. And uh, it's frustrating. It is absolutely frustrating. I want to talk a little bit more about schools in a moment. And also we'll get our final update of the morning for what we know about what's happening with Hurricane Ian in southwest Florida. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, I want to say thank you to so many people out there that have been reaching out on social media. Uh, I got a great message from someone that I disagree with very much most of the time. And she said, hey, listen, we don't agree very often, but I'm praying for your family. Those kinds of comments mean the world to me because we're all in this together. We can disagree politically. We're always going to. We should never back down from our leanings. Um, But at a time like this, when there's a crisis it's nice to know that you can drop your political guard and just say to someone hey i'm praying for your family it was just a very kind thing for her to say and um to all of you out there that reached out it means the world to us my family's doing okay there's no power power went out about 45 minutes ago at my brother's house he's not there but my sister-in-law is with the kids and with my mom um roof is intact i posted a video on social media on facebook and on um Instagram showing uh, devastation or showing the winds about an hour ago. I'm going to get an updated one now. My sister-in-law just got off the phone with her, said they are right in the middle of the worst of it right now. And she said it's pretty scary that roof uh, branches from the trees are hitting the house. Um, I don't know how bad it's going to get. There's no flooding in the inland part where my brother is. But the beaches are getting hammered. Um, there are two sister islands called Sanibel and Captiva Islands. South of that, off the coast of Naples, is Marco Island. These are all barrier islands, and uh, they are not, you know, very high above sea level. People build homes on stilts in case of damage like this. But there are still many homes on those islands that are on ground level, and uh, there are. I'm just going to guess at this, but if the eye of the storm where they had winds of up to 150 miles an hour, you got to think about a rainforest. And that's basically they built um, into a rainforest. And uh, it is a lot of vegetation. Uh, 45% of Sanibel Island is a wildlife preserve. So they're going to have issues with alligators and snakes and all of these things for a long, long time. I don't know if there's a, a bridges that go over to, the, to Sanibel Island, a, a number of bridges. Um, and I don't know if uh, what kind of damage they're going to sustain and if, how many houses will be left on that island. Um, it is, or those islands, Sanibel and Captiva. So there, there's going to be a huge amount of property damage. Um, they have not given the go-ahead, as far as I know, for law enforcement and fire and rescue to go out and begin search and rescue. Uh, they will be stopping and making sure that there's no looting or limiting the looting that might happen. And it's uh, it's just a, it's a hard thing for me to talk about anything else this morning, so I apologize if I seem distracted. But we're watching in Punta Gorda, Florida right now, if you're watching CNN, Punta Gorda is just north of Fort Myers. And this guy is standing outside. Stop signs have already blown over. He's about to be blown over. I don't know why they would go outside. It's it's as dangerous as it can be. Um, But it's going to be the aftermath. The heat, the humidity, the bugs. uh, You have a huge mosquito issue in Florida. But that is all what's going to happen over the next however much time it takes to get power back on to these neighborhoods for the floodwaters to recede. Naples, Florida. I was watching video about an hour ago. Naples, Florida had cars completely underwater. 
on the south side of that storm. So if you were looking at it on TV, they spin counterclockwise. So Tampa is kind of was the north end of the outer bands of the storm. So that was pulling all the water offshore. So it was pulling the water out to sea out into the Gulf of Mexico. So you had huge coastlines where you could walk for a long distance. If you were out in it, you could walk out there because the, the water is being pushed offshore. The opposite happens on the south end of that storm. The south end of that storm was in south of Fort Myers, in uh, Bonita Springs, and in Naples, Florida, in those areas where the storm surge, it was pushing water onshore. And that devastation, the flooding that's happening in Naples, Florida, because it's pushing, they're saying the storm surge in this area could be upward of 18 feet. And I've never, I grew up in the Gulf of Mexico. I've never heard of that. I've seen big storms, Hurricane Charlie, Hurricane Irma. We've seen storms that have hit Southwest Florida growing up there and you get through them and there's a part time where you're without power. Nothing like what they're afraid is happening here. Um, I'm watching uh, some of the cameras. It's interesting in downtown Fort Myers, and I've never seen some of these angles, but I know exactly where it is. And watching palm trees, and we have uh, there's a road in downtown Fort Myers called McGregor Boulevard, and it's where Thomas Edison, and that's the other thing, Thomas Edison and Henry Ford had homes right next to each other on the Caloosahatchee River, and they're museums now, but they're right on the water. And uh, the, Thomas Edison lined McGregor Boulevard with royal palm trees on both sides of the street. Now, they can withstand just about anything with a royal palm tree, but some others, coconut palms and others that aren't that way, I'm wondering what kind of damage they are going to do. There is a lot of vegetation being in southwest Florida. It is going to be devastating. Um, and what it could do to food prices, because central Florida is such uh, such of uh, an agriculture center that feeds the country. And, uh, you know, at the end of the summer when they have crops for tomatoes and, and, uh, and all of the other things that are happening, it will devastate these crops crops. So I'm just about out of time. I appreciate your patience today. I appreciate your prayers. Obviously, we'll have an update tomorrow. Keep it locked here to KTAR News if you have family and friends in Southwest Florida. I will keep you updated on social media, but our news department is going to do a great job of keeping you updated all day long. Once the storm has passed and the media can get out and bring updates, once I can get updates from the police there, we'll let people know. But keep Southwest Florida in your prayers. It's going to be a rough time for them as this storm passes over. It looks like a Category 4, Category 5. 126 mile an hour winds have been uh, recorded in Fort Myers. 126 mile an hour sustained winds. Um, amazing storm. Um, thanks again for spending part of your day and being patient with me. I'll be back tomorrow morning at around 8 a.m. to have another show. Hope you can join me then. Until then, have a great day, everyone. God bless.